What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. The 20th episode of Keep It 111. Sheesh. My name is Andy, and he is Sanha. Sanha, how you doing, man? You know, I uh, recently got back from Korea, so I'm so jet-lagged. Today, I was so tired. As soon as, as, like, as soon as the clock hit, like, 5, I was like... F it, I need to like take a nap because I was so freaking tired. I just passed out on my bed. Oh man, feels bad. But we are we are recording this 9:30 nearly Eastern time on uh September 21st. So I mean, dude, at this point I would expect that like this should be like a rise and shine for you. Yeah, no, I feel fine right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh in any case, ladies and gentlemen, today uh, we have uh, a lot of stuff to catch up on. Of course, we took a two-week hiatus, and so that means we have two weeks of NFL action to catch up on. And Sana's going to give us the uh, Keep It 111 uh, Top 10 Power Rankings of the NFL season yes, so far. And we're, of course, going to talk about uh, Premier League action, which, of course, had its own uh, hiatuses. And Champions League, and finally we will end off with some drama, perhaps the biggest drama that we have seen in the chess world in quite some time, arguably of all time. It's lit. Uh, we are in the thick of it, and we are going to give you our takes and the breakdown. Uh, Sanha, let's first start with, uh, you know, what's going to be the regular uh, from here on out for a while, the NFL the uh, weekly update and you know usually we record the episodes like tuesday wednesday right and so yeah. that's like really nice you know coming right off the final monday game and you know give us a little preview of the next week as well as a review of the previous one yeah i think um since since we missed uh the first couple weeks here uh we can talk through some storylines by kind of division here cuz it's been like it's been a mixed bag, and it always is kind of with the NFL. It's like about 50% of the things are what you expected, and about 50% of the things are just fucking crazy. Um, so let, let's get into it. Like we, we can start in the AFC East. Um, and here, I don't think there are big surprises here. The Bills look fucking good. Like Josh Allen picking up right where he left off last season crushing people just crushing people. He, he's absolutely just devastating um and then you have the miami dolphins who are also 2-0 and um looking pretty strong their offense looks very very good um their defense looks stout enough um which is which is all they need because the, this offense is going to score a lot of points i love uh what new head coach mike mcdaniel has done with the offense um, I think it looks good. Um, obviously, it's it's clear that like Tua doesn't have the strongest arm in, in the NFL. Like it, it's very clear when you watch the games that on about half of his like deep throws, he's under throwing the ball. Um, but it doesn't matter because they're so fucking wide open that like even if he underthrows the ball, they're still catching it and going for a touchdown anyway. Um, so I I think. 
Mike McDaniel's offense and his creativity is going to be enough to keep this offense going throughout the season. It's really going to be a test of how creative can they stay throughout the remainder of the season because as teams get more and more film on the Dolphins offense obviously they're going to be able to prepare uh better against them um and so you expect them to have the most success in the first like few weeks of the season um so it'll be a test of how creative they can stay but I really really like Mike McDaniel um I think he's super super smart I think he is like like We've had a couple of these like young offensive minded coaches come up in the league now, right? We've had Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, um, even like Zach Taylor with the Bengals. Like, uh, we've had some of these young offensive minded coaches come up, and I think Mike McDaniel's the next one. Um, and he has all the right background, he has all the right pedigree uh to to be successful. So I, I expect the Dolphins to be continue to be very, very good. Um, because they have they have a strong roster with a lot of talent. Um and then the rest of the division, it's no surprise. Uh, the Patriots' offense looks. Um, looks yeah, that that that's that was tough. It looks pretty putrid. Um, yeah. Which we talked about in the in the in the uh, in the preview, right? Um, for this season about how how we don't expect anything anything good there, and and frankly, yeah, I I don't I yeah from the coaching, the personnel, just like it, what is going right? Uh, yeah, what is happening? Ball, yeah. I don't know what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Um and then and then there are the Jets where like Joe Flacco is having some sort of like late career rebirth or something. <laughs> I don't know. The Albert the Albert Pujols of football. Yeah, I guess I. Except <laughs> Albert Pujols actually good. Like he's goaded. Yeah. yeah what sure. the fuck? All right. Anyway, let's move on from that. I I don't want to talk about shit. Um, the AFC North here. And the big surprise here is that the Bengals are fucking last, and they're zero and two. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, talk about like yeah, perhaps one of the bigger surprises, right? I mean, who would have mm-hmm. seen Joe Burrow like struggle this much out of the gate? I it's, mean, like, how do you explain that one? Is their offensive line? It's the easiest way to put it. Like, I, I think it was. It became very, very clear in their game against the Cowboys where Mar- Micah Parsons was just running all over them, and he was constantly constantly in joe burrow's face the entire game um so it, it, it it's well let me put it two ways all right it's a combination of that which i think is the biggest reason is there is the offensive line like they they were supposed to have fixed it over the offseason but it doesn't seem like it it's it's taken um which is going to be a big problem um for for the rest of the season especially if the second reason doesn't get fixed which is that their offense it doesn't like there's no creativity in it at all. It it literally just looks like okay, we have two really really good wide receivers in Jamar Chase and T Higgins, and we're just gonna let them like go at it one on one. Like that's that's the entire game plan for the offense. But like against NFL defenses, you can't just do that the entire game. Like that that only gets you so far. You're like yeah, you have two really really fucking good wide receivers, but that only gets you so far especially when you're playing against NFL defenses with good schemes where they are able to get safety help um behind both of the wide receivers. So like if you have Jamar Chase and T Higgins on like each on one side and they both have one cornerback like on them, then they can both have safety help behind them in order to help. So it's basically like 1v2 on both sides like you're not going to win that over the course of a game um so like you need to have better scheme plays 
um, to get your wide receivers easy plays, easy receptions where they can make a play instead of just having them go one-on-one against corners the entire game just straight up. That's not that's not going to work against NFL defense. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest storyline here. Uh, there's not a whole lot else to talk about. The, the Ravens, look. Lamar looks really, 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 really fun. Um, and he needs to look good because they, they didn't finish contract talk. So he does not have a new contract um, in place right now, which means that it's going to happen. He's either going to be a free agent or they're going to tag him or something at the end of this season. And so he needs to crush it this season. And so far, he, he's crushing it. Um, I mean, he needs to avoid injury. That, I mean, like, that's true. It's true. Like, it's it's almost like a... Well, I mean, it worked out for Dak in the end, but, like, you know, you you don't want to risk ending up in that kind of situation again. And he plays, a, he plays a, like, a physical brand of, like, uh, ball where he's going to get bumped, so... He does, I mean, that's, for sure. I mean, if he just stays on the field, I mean, he, he, he's going to get paid. Yeah, he looks sure. good. He looks good. Yeah. Um, the other teams here, nothing, nothing really to um to note about. All right, let's go to let's go to AFC West first because the AFC South makes me sad. Um, the <laughs> AFC, <laughs> the AFC West. Um, again, not like super surprising. The Chiefs look fucking good. Um, and, and remember, remember in, in the, in the preview, it, we talked about how maybe losing Tyreek will actually be good for Mahomes and the Chiefs. And I'm, I'm standing by that because in the first two games of the season, Mahomes has targeted like six, seven different receivers multiple times in like both games. Right. Um, right. he just looks he just looks free. The offense looks much more free-flowing. Um, Mahomes is just making the best play wherever the best play is available. Um, and then there's a little bit of that that Mahomes magic, right? Um, sprinkled on top of it to, to really top it off. Uh, the offense looks really, really good. Um, despite the fact that they don't have, like, a true number one receiver um, to, to go to, like, like they did when they had Tyreek Hill. Um, and I, I think this better suits uh, Patrick Mahomes and the, and the offense overall because the offense is, is really created for there to be multiple threats equally, not for there to be a focus on like one or two threats. Um, that's not how this, this offense is, is built to work. So, so when, when you don't, no longer have that, like that pressure of needing feeling the need to get the ball to someone specifically over and over and over again i I think that allows the offense to to flow a lot more freely and and you're seeing Mahomes kind of unleashed here um and the kansas city chiefs look good their defense also looks pretty solid um which which means that you know this is a team definitely they were already super bowl favorites but you can kind of cement them as as being kind of favorites to to get to the super bowl this year um and then, and then the other team that I want to talk about here, well, maybe two other teams. The, the Broncos, oh man, they're one and one, but the Broncos are kind of like they're kind of bad. Um, and it, it it starts with their offense because, man, their offense looks putrid. Like it, it reminds you of the Seattle offenses with Russell Wilson just happening all over again in Denver. Um, 
And Broncos, let's ride. Yeah, I, <laughs> you have to wonder if, like, at this point, how much of is it? How much of it is the coaching, and how much of it is Russell Wilson? Because this is now a brand new team with a brand new coaching staff and a brand new uh, player, like personnel around Russell Wilson, where the offense looks basic. It looks boring. Um, it looks like nothing special. And, and so obviously like there, there were, I, I, I think I expressed concerns in, in, in the preseason preview about their offensive line and, and that going to cause them to struggle a little bit, um, which, which it has, but it, it, it's still true that, their offense, it just looks very stale, um, boring. It looks like the same kind of offense that, that Seattle was running. Um, so I, I don't know what's really going on, um, what the truth of it is. Um, unfortunately, the Broncos don't have like some sort of like genius offensive mind like coordinator or play caller, unfortunately, to, to help uh, Russell Wilson out there, um, which I really think he needs because... I, I don't think Russell Wilson has actually been unleashed ever in his career, to be frank. Like, I, I don't think he's ever had a kind of game script um, schemes that that would allow him to produce at the highest level possible, um, which is which is unfortunate because he's a talented guy. Right. Uh, with a, with a really strong work ethic um, who would make it work if he had um, that kind of coaching in place. But. I don't think he's had it so far in his career. And unfortunately, you know, we're kind of getting to the the eve of his career here. And he may never get that. Um, and this team, from what I've seen so far, they're not Super Bowl contenders. Which is unfortunate because that's what you would expect, right? When you when you try to, when you bring in Russell Wilson, like the, the big name quarterback, and, and you give him a big contract. Doesn't look like it. Um, the, the last team in this division I want to talk about is the, is the Las Vegas Raiders, who are sitting at 0-2, but they're probably the best 0-2 team in, in the NFL um, right now. I, I think they've looked a lot better than their their uh, their record would suggest, which is, again, super unfortunate for their new head coach, uh, Josh McDaniels, who... If you don't know, like the the story behind Josh McDaniels, right? He's he's the former offensive coordinator of the of the Patriots, um, right. and he he's a longtime Bill Belichick disciple who has taken. He's had a couple of like opportunities to to leave the Patriots to be a head coach, but like it's just like the the last. Let me think. Almost the last. I think the last time he did it must have been with the Broncos, if I remember. Correctly. Um and the thing is when he went to the Broncos, it, it was it was a disaster. It, it it was a complete disaster. Um and and which is why he came back to New England. Um and he kind of stayed must have been like he must have stayed like 10 plus years um after being a head coach. So which which is kind of bizarre, like, right? Like to think that you had the opportunity to be a head coach of a team, um, and then you decided to go back to your original team and then stay there for ten plus years as an assistant coach, um, it is kind of bizarre. But he did that because he didn't want to go back to a, a team where he thought it was a, a recipe for disaster again. 
like it was when he went to the Broncos because it was a complete disaster. It's um, it's a stain on uh, really on it on his career of like okay. Is this guy head coach material? Well, look at what he did with the Broncos. Doesn't look like it. So he needs to make this work with the Raiders. And and he chose this position um, because he thought that the, he would be in a good place for success, which is already kind of questionable because your division is so fucking hard. You're you're in with the Chiefs and the Chargers. Like that that's a rough division to be in. Um, but the talent on the team is good. The talent on the team is good, and, and the offense has has the pieces to to be good. Um, so I think the Raiders are are better than their O two record, um, but their division is so tough that man, I, it's going to be a real uphill climb for them to get into the playoffs, especially because they started O and two. Um, all right, Let, fair enough. Let's go to the AFC South. I'm just gonna, you know, like today. Okay. First off, the Jaguars look good, and I'm not just saying that because they they wrecked us. Um, <laughs> I, like they genuinely look good, which is remember I I said that during the recent preview. I said that the the Jaguars they they look like they just have a bunch of like athletes on their team, like uh, a bunch of like. Really, really solid athletes on their team, and and that's exactly what their team looks like right now. Like it's it's not like the most like schematically amazing team, or like it doesn't look like necessarily the best like coach team or whatever. But it looks like a bunch of fucking athletes, first rounders, just running around on the field, um, kind of imposing their will on uh, uh, where they can, and that's what they did against against my Colts, um, and. Yeah, it's it's embarrassing. The Colts are are embarrassment. Let's just go right into it. The Colts are a fucking embarrassment. Um, they are. Wow. So they played the Texans and the Jaguars. So they played against the the worst team last season and then the third worst team last season, and they have zero wins, a loss, and a tie. Somehow that that has to be a two and zero. If you have Super Bowl aspirations, that has to be a two and zero conversion. Absolutely, it has to be a two and zero, especially because that the, is like it had to be a two and zero. It, it it absolutely had to be a two and zero for even for us to make the playoffs. Because the problem is that the the we have the Chiefs now, and then we have the Titans right after that, and then we're gonna have a tough like uh matchup against the Broncos. Following that, so it had to have been a two and zero. There's a good chance that the Colts do not make the playoffs. About that? No, there's a good, there's a really good, there's a really good chance. Well, there's a good chance, but like, uh, come on, like, it, it, you think the Jaguars will keep it up? I think, I think the Jaguars are better than the Colts right now, straight up. Well, like, right now, yeah, but like, no, like. Okay. Okay. Let I, I'm gonna make a bold I, statement. I think Matt Ryan will figure it out. Like he's not gonna be that bad. Yeah, I I agree. But Matt, it's not about the individual pieces. It's about like the team and and the feeling that they give you and the feeling that the Colts give you right now is fucking despair. Is is actually just despair. Is is the feeling like you you have that about teams, right? You have that 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 like 
That, well, okay, it's easy for you to say that when they're getting their asses. No, no, but it's not just me, Jaguars. though. It's not just me. So, like, I looked through like a bunch of power rankings, right? For for um for this week across like all of the big sites, right? ESPN, CBS, whatever. The Colts are last on a shockingly like large number of power rankings, like dead last, dead fucking well, last. That that's really overreactive. Come on. It may but, be, it may be, but that, that, but if that is to say, and, and, and I will say like, I, I find NFL rankings. I mean, most power rankings do, but NFL power rankings, especially seem to depend on the record. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, it, 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 which is. is fair enough. But, 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 but here's the thing though. The Colts are not dead last in record because we have the draw. They're not, they're not, we which is tie. also why, like, I, I, I think a power ranking that puts them last is like, they're, they're being overreactive. I, I think they are as well, but that is to say that. It's not just me as a Colts fan who is who has the same feeling, you know, about the Colts team. It's not just me. Like that, that I, feeling I, I of you. despair. The feeling of like, Jesus Christ, it's just like a it's a dumpster fire. And, and it's Well, I, I don't know. Like I would I would see them like, you know, you know, play the Chiefs. They you, I don't expect them to win. I don't think anybody should expect them to win, but like, see how they bounce back because you know maybe they can help you know uh, re- reverse those like you know beliefs a little bit because I mean yeah they get their asses kicked by the Jaguars I mean like you know of course they're gonna look like you know like they don't know what they're doing I think the worst part but, of this is that the worst part of it is that this is how we start the season after ending the season that we did in the way that we did last year where we had we had two games to win once in order to get into the playoffs in the in the in the final weeks of the season last year and we lose a a tight game to the raiders um who were really a middling team and frankly like if we're being like objective they were not better team than us last season and then we go into Jacksonville, who have the first overall pick, and we absolutely bungle it. We fucking choke it up against the Jaguars to not make the playoffs against the worst team in the league, against the worst team in the league, who has the first overall pick in the draft. We, we choke it against them to not make the playoffs. And then we start the season by fucking tying the fucking Texans who don't have a team. They don't have a team. Like, it's not a real NFL team. Alabama would te- beat the fucking Houston Texans. And then we get fucking, we put a stinker, a zero-point effort up against the Jaguars the following week. Like, it's not just, like, how we started this season. It's, like, the continuation from last season into this season where it, it just feels doomed, you know? And then now, now we're now we have to play against the Chiefs in Week Three. Like it just like the season just feels so fucking doomed already from like a momentum perspective. You're right. If we don't pull up, put up a good showing against the Chiefs, like even if we don't win against the Chiefs, if we don't look good against the Chiefs, like our our team might like the the talent on the team might be good, but the feeling in the locker room is going to be soul crushing and 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 the pressure from ownership onto the head coach and then the players 
it's going to be crushing. It's, it's going to be crushing. Yeah, I mean, can't deny, like, the, the expectations for the Colts is postseason at the minimum, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, this is this is the squad that, I mean, I honestly, mean, like... We're Super Bowl dark horses. I, I, yeah, I've been seeing, like, yeah, like, uh, before the season began, the Colts were, yeah. Some people said, like, you know, they can go to the Super Bowl. And so, y- you can't just go from that to potentially, you know, 0-2-1. and That's, like, that's... That's pretty tough. All right. Um, NFC. Wait, 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 wait. Before, before, okay. we, before, before we move on. Fire Frank Reich, god damn it. Yeah. I've been saying it for two years. I've been saying it for two years. And this is not an overreaction. This is, this is not an overreaction. This is, this is me trying to stay objective with my team. Listen, I know that Frank Reich is loved in the locker room. He used to be a player. He's, he's a player's coach, for sure. We need to fire this guy. Because from everything that I've seen, he does not have what it takes to win a goddamn Super Bowl. It, you, you can't choke like that. You can't continuously choke like that in, in the big moment over the course of it. You can't. And then... And then Here's the craziest thing. Ursay, our, our owner, he said he allowed Frank Reich first to bamboozle him into getting Carson Wentz. And then when that was a fucking disaster, he allowed him to bamboozle him to not firing him for that bullshit. Like, how? What? What do you mean? Like, if I was Ursay, I'd be fucking pissed off. I'd be fucking pissed off that my head coach was like, I believe in this guy. Let's break this guy in. And then that motherfucker fucking... Oh my, he throws your season away against the fucking Jaguars. I would be fucking pissed. I would be pissed. Like, there's no fucking way that I would keep that head coach on. The motherfucker who, who fucking convinced me to bring on Carson Wentz. Oh my god, fire Frank Reich, please. Alright, let's move on. Um... All right, let's let's go to the NFC. Um, uh, the the NFC East is uh, Eagles the, looking the, good. The NFC East is the NFC East. Yeah, the Eagles look the Eagles look quite good. Um, and I think I said this right. They were one of my top kind of rosters in terms of talent coming into the season. Um, and and it's showing. They they look. Counted on both sides of the ball. Like, they look loaded on both sides. Their defense looks really, really fucking stout. Um, and their offense, Jalen Hurts might not be the best throwing quarterback in the NFL, but, you know, with his mobility, with his legs, and then, you know, the, the weapons that he has access to, the offense is rolling. So, they're kind of rolling He's on... He's come a long way, man. For like, sure. He's... 100%. 100%. Like, like, most people were not thinking this guy is, like, you know... People were thinking he's a stopgap. That was his uh, label, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah, he was kind of a... Like, I I think at a certain point, some, like, people were, because of where he was drafted, you know, people were putting him on kind of a lower level than even, like, Tua, for instance. Uh, Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was just like a, like, you know, the temporary, like, you got to play somebody after Carson Wentz. Exactly. 
they dumped him off somewhere, right? So dumped him off somewhere. <laughs> and 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 now <laughs> here, well, well, well. <laughs> but but anyways, yeah. Well, he was the aftermath of that, and but but he's making progressions. He's like he's legit now. Yeah, exactly. And and this team looks legit, and they should have Super Bowl aspirations. Um, you know, they just have to avoid the injury bug, as does every Super Bowl aspirational team. Um, but they look very very good. The other two O team in this division, the New York Giants. How? <laughs> I don't know, man. You tell me. How? how, how? Um, I I don't know what to tell you because they they look not good. They are probably the worst two O team. Like if if the if the Las Vegas Raiders are the best O two team in the NFL, the New York Giants are definitely the worst two O team in the NFL. And, and so much, in fact, so much, in fact, that. If I had to put head-to-head the New York Giants against the Las Vegas Raiders, I would give the edge to the Raiders, to the 0-2 Raiders, over the 2-0 Giants. I mean, it's a fair point. I mean, like, well, one of their wins comes against, like, the Panthers, which is, like, I mean, it's just a really game. not saying anything. Yep. And but then, like, you know, they won, they won a good game, 21-20, against the Titans, which is a good game. You know, they play well, and they, you know, they, they stifled Derrick Henry to, like, a reasonable, you know, amount. And, you know, they won a close game. So, yeah, like, the point is absolutely valid. I mean, I think this is, like, this is the danger of, like, making power rankings after week two or anything like that. It's because, like, this is what happens. Like, the narrative and, like, the, the fine print behind some of these records, like, you know, leaves a lot of... Uh, Room for misinterpretation. My God. Um, let's go to the NFC North, uh, where everyone, every single team in the NFC North is one and one. <laughs> um, the best team here is is the Green Bay Packers, undoubtedly. Um, they 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 lost their their first game, um, where they looked kind of shaky, but um, but I. It doesn't overly concern me, especially because of the way that they they bounced back um, against the Bears, where they completely stifled them and they completely imposed their will um, over the Bears. And and Aaron Rodgers said, "I'm still the owner of the Bears, so sit down." Um, <laughs> um it, it, the biggest, the biggest question is, is for the Packers is obviously going to be man how like how is Aaron Rodgers going to make do with the the receiving weapons that he has and I think the answer has to be he has to start using his running backs more in the past game um Aaron Jones and AJ Dillard they're just as good as receivers as any receiver on that goddamn team right now um and they're not utilizing them as much as maybe I would have expected um, like put Aaron Jones in the slot, put AJ Dillon in the slot. They both have the, the talent to be there, um, and, and do that for them. Um, and so utilize your best, uh, offensive weapons that you have currently, because that that's what they are. Like both AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, they're two running backs. They're your best offensive weapons. Um, so I want to see them both on the field at the same time more from the Packers. 
because you're then you're getting the best players on the field more often, right? Um, and, and the Packers need that. They need to rely on the run game and then also use their running backs in the pass game in order to kind of make up for the deficiency in the wide receiver department. So if they can do that, their defense looks very, very good. So if they can do that on the offensive side, then they should no doubt be in the playoffs and then also be making a push because they're a team built for the playoffs where they have a super sturdy defense and then they have a bruising offense um, in terms of the running game, right? So they're built for the postseason. They just need to get there um, in good form, in good shape. Um, And I I think they have the formula to get there. Um, The other team that's hot here, the Detroit Lions, surprisingly, They've scored 71 points over the first two weeks. Um, that's as many as the Chiefs. That's as, that's as many points as the Chiefs have scored over Back the up. first two weeks. <laughs> Back yeah, it up, they're, boys. <laughs> they're, they're, they're tied for second in points scored with the Buffalo Bills. It's nuts um, what the Detroit Lions are doing. And, 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 and a lot of those points came against the Eagles, who have a great defense with a lot of talent. The, the fact is that Jared Goff doesn't look that bad. That, that's, what just, that's just what it is. Jared Goff looks pretty good um, over the first couple of weeks. He's made some really, really good throws. Um, throws that you, you didn't really see from him on a consistent basis uh, it, before in his career. And, you know, they have a lot of weapons as well. They have DeAndre Swift. They have Jamal Williams behind him. Then on the on the receivers, you have Amon Ross St. Brown, ARSB, um, who is just dominating. He's just dominating people. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself and 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 say that the Lions are like this great team and they're and they're playoff bound. Um, just because of the first couple of weeks, they are after all just one and one right now. Um, despite the the fire. Um, but you know. It's they're good signs for a team that has been kind of wallowing right for for multiple seasons now who have struggled to put together any wins or any excitement really for their fans like it just hasn't been exciting in Detroit for for a while um but there's some excitement there now so that's something uh for fans to be uh optimistic about um will they make the playoffs it's probably a, still a long shot but you know, it's better than going, you know, two and fifteen. <laughs> well, they're already halfway there to matching that. So, true. Yeah. You know. Yeah. True. They're, they're in a very good position. Uh, let's go to the NFC South, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they stand at a strong two and zero. Um, and despite my they concerns, yeah, despite my concerns, uh, in the preseason, they look pretty good. And that's also despite some like injuries to their wide receiver cores. And now Mike Evans got suspended for, you know, fighting with Marshawn Lattimore in, in last week's game because he was, uh, he, he had Tom Brady's back there apparently. Um, and yeah, the Bucks look a- as good as ever. And, and I think I said this in the, in the preview that, you know, despite my concerns about their interior O-line, they still have one of the most talented rosters and one of the most balanced rosters in the entire league. Um, so it, this is not surprising that they stand at a strong 2-0. They look good. Their defense actually looks better than I expected, um, which is very, very promising for them because that's kind of what you want when you get into the playoffs. 
because the problem with the Buccaneers is going to be in terms of winning a Super Bowl is that if your defense isn't a top 10 defense, you're not going to get past, like, you're not going to beat out the Bills or the Chiefs who are going to outscore you. It, that, that's, just, that's just factually what's going to happen. Um, so you need your defense to look like a top 10 defense, which it does right now, uh, fortunately for them. Fewest um, points uh, conceded. Exactly, exactly. Just, just giving up just 13 points through two weeks, which is nuts. Um, so they look very, very good. Um, I expect them to be make make a deep playoff run. It, there's there's no changes there. Um, are there any other teams to talk about here? Not not really. Um, I saw a hilarious meme of, of the Saints and Jameis Winston, where it's just Jameis um, kind of like cocking back to throw the ball, um, and there's like a caption that says, "Fuck it, Chris Olave's down there somewhere." <laughs> he just fucking launches it. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is kind of what this offense is um uh, which is hilarious but also fun to watch so um uh let's go to the NFC. oh yeah yeah <laughs> very entertaining I'll, I'll give him that yeah very entertaining for that reason Jameis winston may have a job for you know <laughs> for a long time uh let's go to the the final division here in the nfc west where again everyone is tied at one and one um this division is interesting uh i think there are so there are pretenders here who are the seahawks and 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 probably the cardinals uh and then there are contenders here who are the niners and the rams um but they're all one and one i think the niners definitely look the best uh, of all of all these teams um yeah, I, I think they probably look the best of, of all these teams just because their defense is so good. Um, and they have a solid, like, offensive game plan with Kyle Shanahan. Um, but... Hmm. See, now, now, I'm not sure. Like, if I put them one-on-one against the Rams... Because the Rams also... Like, I think they're better than their, their record suggests um and and the way that they played uh may may suggest man i i don't know it, it's hard to say they just got walloped against the bills in, in week one um which is which is always going to be tough right um and and the rams are also that kind of team where they have a bunch of veterans they have a bunch of stars who they're they they want to just they want to get, get to the postseason and then really show up it is kind of the rams game plan so I don't really expect the Rams to be kind of like out there trying to crush people during the regular season. Uh, I think the the defending Super Bowl champs, what they really want to do is kind of stay healthy, buy their time, be in good enough position where their playoffs hopes are uh, not in question. And then once they're in the playoffs, really kind of turn it up um, to the next level and and make a run for a, a back-to-back Super Bowl run. So. I, the good thing for the Rams is that it doesn't like maybe in week one, it looked a little bit like a Super Bowl hangover, but I, I think the talent on the team is, is too much for them to, to fall too far. Um, and, and so I'm optimistic for, for the Rams, the, the Seahawks and the Cardinals. I, I don't know. I expect, you know, G- Gino, G- Gino is the best quarterback in the league. What can we say? Um, <laughs> that guy's a beast. 
uh, it, Gino's performance doesn't don't surprise me, frankly. It, I don't think I, I think most people did not see them going over the Broncos, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 probably. That was unexpected. Yes, um, that 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 was definitely unexpected. Um, it it was definitely unexpected, but it's like it doesn't shock me. Let, let's put it that way. It, it doesn't shock me that 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 happened. Um. Because Gino is very talented. Like he just he's just been in really shit positions his entire career. Um and so like it doesn't it doesn't shock me that he's playing that the way he's playing. Uh, of course, unfortunately for him, he's playing in the Seattle offense, which is just ass. Um, like schematically. And so like he's not gonna get any help there, unfortunately. Um like I've never seen a team that has two really really good wide receivers and struggles so much to get them the fucking ball. Like, how many receptions does does DK Metcalf have over two? Let me just check. Um. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my. He had, he has thirteen targets through two weeks, uh, which means he's averaging seven and a half targets a game. Um, was for 71 yards. Uh, that That's unacceptable. When you have one of the, the very, very best, when you have one of the very, very best wide receivers in the league, to not be getting him, not force-feeding him double-digit targets, it, that's unacceptable. And it, But it, it goes back to how the, how the Seattle offense runs. Like they, they have no fucking game plan. It's similar to, it's similar to the Broncos. Like it's just, it's putrid. It's bad. Um, and then you have the Cardinals, who I don't even know. I don't. I don't really know how to evaluate the Cardinals. Like I can't really tell if they're good or if they're bad. To be to be honest, um, sometimes they look good. <laughs> sometimes they look bad. I I really can't tell. I really can't tell. <laughs> I think it would just look a lot better if they just weren't in such a competitive division. I mean, that's also true. That's also true that their division is really fucking tough. But it's just it's, it's not it's just the way that they've played is <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, big big test for them this Sunday though. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Rams are going to be yeah, it, it, are they where are they? Are they home for home in uh, phoenix yeah i guess they are home um so so i mean if they could come away with a win i mean that's a big statement which they they probably should uh i think divisional matchups in this division have usually favored the home team um so like r- regardless of like how good each team is objectively so i think they should win this and then if they can kind of ride that momentum into the panthers and then they hit the eagles which is going to be tough um We'll see. Uh, I, I think the next couple of weeks will will really kind of show us what the Cardinals are made of. Um, if they if they come through like week I don't know eight, um, like the first eight games, and they're like four and four, they're probably like borderline playoff team. If they're like five and three, they're probably actually a good team. Um, they, uh, I I could see five and three. No, 
for sure. No, I, I think if they're a good team, they yeah. should be five and three. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Like if they're a good team, yeah. they should be five yeah. and three. Um, like at the, at the very least, if they're yeah, a very they good should team, take the Panthers, they should take the Seahawks. Exactly. And like if you said like they're like they are, if they are a good team, then they'll take the Rams and I don't know the Vikings. Yeah. Like if that. they're a very good team, they'll be six and two. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. seems I don't know. It seems like a long shot. Anyway. Um. Yeah. Okay. Power yeah. I, those are all the divisions. Yeah. Let's go to the power rankings. Um. So I have done my top ten power rankings. Um, all right. Well, I, I haven't. So let, let's is, hear it, man. This is not based on like just record. Uh. This is literally which so- I think I think the NFL community needs because I'm a little disappointed. I read through some power rankings. I'm like, yeah. Well, like it's like you know. People are just like shoving the Chargers, you know, all the way down just because they're one and one. And I'm like, doesn't make any sense at all. Like, yeah, that's. I think my seems... top. I think my top five are like reflect the rankings, but that's or the 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 records. But that's because like, if you look at the two O teams, they're the good teams that like, like they're just fucking yeah. good. Like, there's no there's no questioning. Kind of. Well, may, maybe my number five team people will kind of question a little bit but um the top four for I sure i mean you didn't put the no giants in there did you <laughs> please the giants aren't even in my top 10 please i told you they're they're the worst at the bank it's the the fucking raiders okay, please okay. all right so uh should i start at one or should i start at 10 i guess i, I should think start, you at start at one i should start like, at one it's less like surprising one, yeah right? it's less surprising yeah. um yeah. so n- number one is the buffalo bills they're yeah. they're crushing on both sides of the ball. Josh Allen looks fucking. Oh, I fucking love Josh Allen, man. I just fucking love Josh Allen. And the the biggest thing for the Bills is that is that Stephon Diggs is kind of like he had kind of he low key had a down year last year statistically. Um, yeah. and but this year, God damn, he looks like he's on fire. The connection with Josh oh, Allen looks he as was, good he as was ever. Unguardable. He was unstoppable. I, God. What was it? Three, three, three touchdowns, touchdowns or something? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's disgusting. He's carsting shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> He's yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they look really fucking good, and then their defense looks really good. They're especially their interior. Ed Oliver looks as good as ever. Like I, I'm excited for this team. They they man, I want to I want to see Josh Allen in the Super Bowl. Like I want to see that so bad, man. Uh, I I want to see that so bad. Anyway, um, number two. You have the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. And it, it's Mahomie. Like, what, what can we say? He looks he looks as good as ever as well. Like, dude, oh, I cannot wait. It's going to be so lit. The AFC Championship, the Bills against the Chiefs. The unofficial Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, the, honestly, the unofficial Super Bowl. The best thing about it is that it's like a, a rivalry reboard, right? Because it used to be like, like Peyton versus Brady, and when when you got Peyton versus Brady in the AFC Championship, like those games would be the most intense games, uh, with right. the most scrutiny, with the most hype, two legends going at it, um, in their peak. And now you have Mahomes and Josh Allen with actually good teams around them, just like oh my Super Bowl trip on the line. Like this doesn't even happen yet. I'm so fucking hyped for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, number three, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, okay. And all right. 
That's, I, I didn't expect that from you. Really? I like. Yeah. I, well, you you definitely had your doubts about the Buccaneers. Well, I guess like I did. I did. Yeah. I did have my yeah. concerns about about Brady uh, struggling with an interior offensive line, but I, I think they've done a good job to kind of cover up their weaknesses. And and more than that, I think for me, it's been seeing that their defense looks so fucking good that even if their offense does have some deficiencies, their offense is definitely not operating at the same level that they were operating a year ago, two years ago. Um, but because their defense looks so fucking stout, um, I think they can help to make up for some of those deficiencies. And I favor that um, to to being a little bit more explosive on, on the offense. Um, which... Brings me to number four, where I have the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, yep. And and there should be no surprise, they have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, and they just look good. They look they look really goddamn good. Um, what, yeah, what, I would have thought you had the Eagles at three. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a good question. I just I think I'll be ready next week. I just want to see them one more week because I True. it's just. It's just hard for me, for my brain to fully process that the Eagles are good. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like the Buccaneers have more street cred. Exactly, yeah, sure. exactly. They they yeah. have the credibility. The Eagles need to the yeah. build some credibility. But to already be in the top five, that that's already come a long way for them, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. And then at number five, I have the Miami Dolphins. Let's go, the Finns. Okay. The Finns, and it's not just because they're two and zero. It's because it goes back to like the Eagles, like the Bucks. Their roster talent is definitely top five material. And then you have an offense that is running so fucking smooth. And I just have a lot of confidence in Mike McDaniel. Um, and and it wouldn't surprise me that the Dolphins kind of slowly trickle down the power rankings as we progress over the season because of what I mentioned before, because of what I've, because of the brand new offense kind of being figured out because they're being more filmed. They're being more uh, ways that teams kind of figure out how to play against the offense. But while the offense is still brand new, while teams are still trying to figure out how Mike McDaniel operates and how this offense is going to operate, the Dolphins are going to be a top five team because it, it's really tough to match up against them uh, defensively. Um, so that's my top five. Then we get into it. This is where things get a little shaky, right? It is. I think a lot of the six through 10 is kind of up for debate, but I'm putting the chargers at number six. Um, yep. yeah, their, their record may not say so, but both the talent on the team, um, and, and the way that they played would suggest to me that they are, uh, they're undoubtedly a top 10 team. And for me, they come above the other teams because, because of one guy and, and, and it's Justin Herbert, right? Like Justin Herbert is a fucking beast. And even with Keenan Allen out due to injury, uh, they still have Mike Williams. They still have Austin Eckler who has been, you know, kind of uh, uh, underutilized. They have uh, other weapons like Josh Palmer, um, and then, more importantly, on the defensive side, they have Khalil Mack now to, to partner with Joey Bosa, and that's a force to be reckoned with. They're solid across, across the board on the defense. Um, the Chargers are a very, very scary team that, that I, I don't think any team would be happy going up against right now. So that's why I have them at number six. Um, but to be frank, I think 
really like six through eight are are maybe a little interchangeable. So like seven, I have the 49ers. Um which which is funny because if they still had Trey Lance, I would guess that they would probably be like nine or ten on this list. But now without Trey Lance, they actually come up the power rankings because Trey Lance is a developmental play. Trey Lance is is if if I'm being objective on like who is going to give the team a better chance to win like week three, it's gonna be Jimmy Garoppolo over Trey Lance right now. Because Trey Lance does not look good throwing the goddamn ball. Um and unfortunately for him, getting injured like this, missing an entire season, man, that's gonna really stunt his development. And the Niners are gonna be in a fucking pickle of like, what the fuck do we do now? Like, what do we do? Our third overall pick. He has not looked good. He took a season off because he wasn't ready. And then he took another season off because he got injured. If this team gets to the playoffs and then makes another deep playoff run with Jimmy G, I don't, I don't know what they do. Like, I would not want to be in the position of the 49ers GM trying to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do. Um, but the rest of the team looks fucking good. So that's why they're number seven. Um, yeah. Number eight, we have the the Los Angeles Rams who come up right right below the Niners. Um, I don't think they played as well as some of the teams above them on this list, uh, or maybe even below them on this list per se. Uh, but I, I think the their their level of talent and Matt Stafford to Cooper Cup is just gonna carry them through a lot of games. Um, because Cooper Cup looks fucking unstoppable, especially in, in Sean McVay's uh scheme and his game planning he he looks he looks unstoppable um and so i think that's going to carry them through through to the playoffs um and then once they get to the playoffs they're really going to step it up um at number nine we have the green bay packers who maybe maybe i should really man i don't know i i considered switching them with my number 10 team and it's because Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the weapons on the on the offense side of the ball in their wide receiver core. But I think I have a lot of faith in their run game. Um, I think their offensive line does a good job run blocking, and they have two really, really good running backs um, who can carry the offense and the load for, for Aaron Rodgers. Um, and that's why I have the number nine. Um, and then they have a really, really good, talented defense that is a probably a top five defense if I'm looking at this chart here. Um, so that, that's why they come in number nine for me. And then number 10, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, mm, okay. Who, yeah, they, they had a, a tough game against the Dolphins. But, you know, honestly, like, they, they probably should have won against the Dolphins. And, and now that I'm thinking about this again, like, I wonder if I have the Dolphins too high and the Ravens too low. Um... Because when I watched that game between the two teams, there are two very, very good teams um, going at it. But it, it seemed like to me that it was, it was, it was a game that the Ravens kind of threw um, more than the Dolphins kind of... Like, obviously, the Dolphins did have to make some big plays to, like, get back into that game. But, like... I mean, it's how I feel about the Chargers and the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would think the Chargers, you know, had a shot for being top five instead of the Dolphins. Yeah, but. yeah. Maybe, that, maybe I should probably drop the Dolphins out of the top five and, and maybe move the Chargers 
up and then maybe the Ravens up as well. Um, because I really did feel like it, it was kind of the Ravens game to lose um, against the Dolphins. That being said, that being said, um, I do still have serious concerns about the offense. Yes, Rashad Bateman looked good, but like that's all you have. That's your that's your entire offense. Rashad Bateman, Rashad Bateman, Rashad Bateman. Dude, half half the NFL fans don't even know who that is. Like, if you don't play fantasy football, you have no idea who the fuck Rashad Bateman is because he's never shown his face on this team before. That, that, like, that's your number one option. So, and then and then you have. You know, it's unclear if J.K. Dobbins is actually healthy. Like, the run game is is relatively sus outside of Lamar himself. So, that's why I'm, like, a little shaky. That's why I have the Ravens down at 10. Because I do have legitimate concerns about their offense that I don't have about the Dolphins. That I don't have about the Chargers. That I don't have about some of these other teams other than the Packers, right? Um, So... Yeah, that's. My... I mean, dude, Rashad Bateman, he he could be the real deal, man. It's a first round draft pick in twenty twenty one. He could be the real deal, but the thing is, we've never seen it before. Like, I'm not. Oh, he, he was just a rookie last year, man. I can't put faith in. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about rookie wide receivers: the good ones are good in their rookie season. The good ones are really good in their in their rookie season. Rashad Bateman didn't do fucking shit for me in their rookie season. He didn't do shit. Right. He didn't do shit. Right. So I want to see it. I want to see it. Um. Anyway, that that was to say that I have I have serious concerns, but that 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 rounds out my top ten here. Um. I I definitely think like like I was talking about right it, towards the end here. I I think there's room for for movement here. Um. And and for for debate, but I think the group of ten teams that I have here, I feel I feel pretty solid on that. These are like the the right. 10 teams maybe the ordering can be a little different but i feel good about about these 10 teams all right sounds good i mean we'll keep it in mind we'll table it we'll come back to it every week and we'll see we'll see how it changes yes sir all righty moving on uh moving on to soccer uh, as as we all know there was some uh news about the passing of the monarch uh, a couple weeks ago and yep. so Match week seven was postponed in the Premier League, but match week eight was back for some teams, but not all. And uh, teams that sat out included Manchester United, Liverpool, and Chelsea. So half of the big six did not play this past weekend, but there were some players. Man City just keep doing their thing. Just like, I, I, it's just... I don't even know, like, if anybody's going to stop them. Like, they're just a freight train, and they're 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 not just beating people. They're just they're just pummeling them, like three zero. Yeah, and, and Holland looks insane. Dude, like, Holland, can we talk about Holland for a little bit? The dude goes on an interview, and he's like, it in response to like if he's happy getting like enough touches, and he's like. It's my dream to score five goals with five touches. <laughs> like, what, what, what an insane, what, what a madman. Like, it's, yeah. That guy's nuts. Um, yeah, Holland is, Holland, I, I don't know what to say about him. He's like, unfair. He's, he's even better than advertised, which is, yes. like, hard to believe. Like, how much better could he be than 
how he looked at Dortmund, and he's showing us right now. He's just the best player. Like, in the world? <sighs> Am I ready to say that? I mean, it's him or Mbappe. Yeah, the way that it looks, he's the best player in the world. And Mbappe's not playing in that fucking EPL. Or, I mean, I would also say De Bruyne is up there. De Bruyne is definitely uh, up there. De Bruyne is definitely up there. Which is crazy to say that, like, you know, Holland might... I mean, he probably is, but you can make the case that he's not even the best player on his, on his team. team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, Which is to say that City yeah. is nuts. Like, yeah. man, it's just unfair. They're, they're I team mean, the unfair. scores are showing it. Like, they're, they're not just beating people. Like, Crushing people. They will easily win the Premier League, and they should also win the Champions League. I think if they don't win the Champions League, that is a disappointment. That is a huge disappointment. Remember, remember what we talked about with Henry? If, if City doesn't win the Champions League this season, like, you don't want to fire Pep? Am I, am I too trigger happy on like fiery coaches? Like, I, I don't know if you, I mean, like, you need to know, like, if you're going to kick Pep out, you need to have an option. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You do need to have a good alternative. Like, it's just, who are you going for? Like, Tuchel? Like, well, like what are you trying to do? Like, there's, definitely there's not no... Tuchel. Two, I'm staying away from Tuchel with a 10 foot well, pole. Tuchel's won a Champions League with Chelsea. So, I mean, so. I, if you're if you're really doing Champions League or bust, then I mean, he's he's done it. I think so, well, so, most coaches in the market can't say that they've done that. I so. think for me, it's not so like, like, it's not like Pep doesn't have winning pedigree, right? He does. It, it, it for me, it's like, it's you have to have two things. You have to have both the pedigree of winning. Also, you have to be the right coach for the right team. You know what I mean? Like, some coaches are just not the right coach to take a team over the hump. And if Pep can't win the Champions League this season with this particular team, he just might not be the right coach to take this particular team over the hump. You know what I mean? I mean, it might not be, but like, I can't imagine like who else. Because yeah, the I don't personnel, know. the personnel is actually like so like god tier fitted to him. Yeah, like that's why. Like, like possession players like Rodri. Yeah, you're right. You know, you're right. Bernardo Silva. You're right. De Bruyne, like Graylish, even like these are all like you know. Yeah, you're right. You're people right. that you, like They're are in people. the pet mold, yeah. and it's like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know either. I don't well, I, like. I just can't understand. Why they can't? Like, I, I really don't understand it. Well, Carlo Ancelotti, the Real Madrid manager, said something interesting about what he thought about possession-based football and how it's... He... I, I, I don't remember the exact quotes, but it was something along the lines of that he believes possession-based football is, like, kind of a fad. And it's, like, a trend that he thinks that is on its way down. And perhaps along with it deserves less merit than you know a not so possession like you know hungry kind of brand of ball which is and the possession game is exactly what pep does and so maybe that is a limitation madrid won the champions league they don't play position based Mm -hmm. um what they do is they win so they just win they win Uh, and 
you know, winners and like perennial winners are just like kind of respected for not really resorting to that tactic necessarily. And, you know, they could play Mourinho ball. They could play, you know, Conte ball. Like they don't need to have all this possession to win. And so there's, there's so a plethora of evidence that, you know, kind of supports that brand of ball. And it, Pep doesn't play it. I mean, that is correct. But, I mean, Pep's also won by playing it. So it's like, you know, the, yeah. I, it, you know, it really shouldn't go here nor there. But it's something to think about. It's something to like, think you know, about, yeah. Like in the Champions League, like in a knockout game, is the possession like base like you know kind of play just just a little bit too vulnerable in a in a two leg match or in a knockout game? Um, but in any case, Man City right now it's like happy days like they don't need to worry about a thing. Um, and Arsenal, uh, Arsenal's still at the top of the table, man. I mean, it's not gonna last, but I mean, just the fact that they are, I yeah, I guess it is what it is, but. Um, they did lose that game to Man- uh, Manchester United in spectacular fashion. I got to give Manchester United props. They've been playing some good ball. And, you know, Arsenal's not an easy team to beat for them. For them, beating Arsenal is not easy right now. And, and, and they did that. So props to them. And awesome. Spurs versus Arsenal. Um, story of the Spurs versus Arsenal. Uh, uh, Spurs versus Leicester game, excuse me. Uh, Son is benched. Hugman Son is benched in a Premier League game for I can't remember the last time that I saw that. But then what um, happens? But then what happens? He gets introduced early in the second half, and in the span of 13, 14 minutes, he scores a hat trick. Let's and go! Not just, and not just a hat trick. He scores bangers. He scored. Well, the first two goals were absolute bangers. And. Bangers that I would like expect out of like Son last year in peak form. Carsting like, shit. Yeah, and then the third goal as well just um, you know, uh t- takes it past the goalkeeper almost one on one. I don't know what you would do because it's so interesting because what do you do? What what is the interpretation of a performance like that? Is the interpretation that, you know, playing like a pacey player like Son against tired legs as a substitute is the, is the good tactic? Or is the takeaway that this guy's quality, get him the fuck back on your starting 11. Like, what are you doing? Never bench him again, right? It's like, I, I, would, I would assume the latter is the takeaway that Conte would get from this is that, you know, okay, Son's back on form, North London Derby playing as Arsenal next game. He's going to start. And I expect him to start, but, you know, this is like, it's an interesting tactic because now you got Richarlison, and so you have uh, attacking options and depth. Maybe you bring in Son, like, as, like, a tactical substitute, like, in the 50th, 60th minute, and just have him convert a brace or something. Like, you know, it's, so it's, it's interesting. Um... But yeah, outside of that, the not nothing really unpredictable in in match week eight. Of course, you know we have a limited pool of games to draw from, but nothing out of the expected that I saw. I guess I guess Everton winning was kind of a big deal, but you know they also brought in a guy like Neil Mope, who's like you know supposed to kind of you know score goals from them, so he's kind of doing exactly that. Uh, Champions League. Um, 
Napoli is playing insane. Napoli's also leading the Italian league. Um, the Korean defender they brought in, Kim Min Jae. Kim Min Jae. He's yeah. freaking legit. He's legit. Yeah. Uh, Spurs were in for him, and I guess they should have bought him because he's legit. <laughs> he's already t- scored two league goals. He's starting every game. He was supposed to be their Koulibaly like replacement, and hey. If leading the Italian league and going 2-0, like, you know, just embarrassing Liverpool is your definition of success, well, I mean, he seems like he's, he's pretty good. He's doing his job. Um, Chelsea, on the other hand, is a team. He, they're, they're in a group that I think most people would have expected them to win. Um, and that's not what happened. Um, they... They drew a game against Milan, okay. But they lost against Dinamo Zagreb. And, um, or sorry, they, they drew against Salzburg. And then they lost to Zagreb, which is, I mean, that's, that's, that's not good at all. Puts them I mean, dead they, last. Puts them dead last, and they're going to play Milan. And, I mean, do we put them over Milan? Probably, but, but you know, in this, form? this is the hardest game. This is the hardest game. Yeah. And... I don't know, like something about Zagreb, man. They just they just kill London clubs. I mean, they were the team that sank <laughs> Tottenham. <laughs> they sank Tottenham's hopes in the Conference League. No, not in the Conference League, in the uh, Europa League a couple of years back. Which led to which led to I mean, Z- Zagreb made Mourinho lose his job. <laughs> like, Zagreb, Zagreb and Zagreb may have just, you know, I mean, Zagreb made Tuchel lose his job. Like, it's insane. <laughs> like, they're out here just uh, ending managers' careers. And uh, but Chelsea's not looking good, man. Uh, the the defense doesn't look good. Um, Aubameyang doesn't. You know, I mean, it's still too soon to say anything, but he's just not. He's just not making the immediate impact. That I mean, when you bring a guy like him on who's clearly a stopgap, I mean, he's supposed to have immediate impact. He, he's, this is not like a, like a project. Yeah. He's not, we, they don't have the patience to wait for him to play 10 games to settle in. Like, he needs to be scoring, like, now. And so, um, yeah, Chelsea not looking good. Um, but yeah, that, I, I think that's all I had to say about uh, soccer. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I, I mean, the, the other thing to note, right, is that Juventus is also just reeling. They're, they are. They're, they're two losses in the Champions League, and then also they're like eighth or something in the Italian I, I League. Mean, I mean, My God. as soon as, like, the talent that they're bringing in, the talent that they have is just like... Ah. I just look at their squad and I'm like, yeah, like they were all like world class talents at some point in their careers. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I was gonna say like this team would have been really good like three years ago. <laughs> yeah, like Pogba, Pogba, like, Di Maria, Rabio, Rabio, like Qu- Quadrado, guys, like, Quadrado, like, Alexandro. <laughs> like, are they just taking on players that just have like unpayable wages? <laughs> no, they're 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 kind of like the um, they're like the uh, the layover stop between a real team 
and the MLS. They're the layover. Honestly, so you, dude. You, you layover in Juventus for Honestly, a couple of seasons, and then you go to the MLS. Dude, I can see Paul in the MLS real soon, man. <laughs> I mean, he can join his brother. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like I could see him in back in the MLS real soon. Di Maria for sure. Di Maria might be in the MLS next year. Same <laughs> <laughs> like, with Bonucci, dude. How old is Bonucci? Oh yeah, like yeah, Chiellini went to the MLS. Bonucci thirty five. Yeah, and Bonucci's next. Bonucci's yeah, next. yeah, Bonucci could be. He could be next too. And then, like, and then there's just like Weston McKinney. Yeah, Weston McKenney and poor guy. Well, yeah, like so. So they have some like good talent. Yeah, I guess like their talent is either like really, really top shelf. Well, Weston McKinney's not an example of that. No, no, they not. they have. I mean, but I'm talking about like Vlahovic. Yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Chiesa. You know, like they got some good top shelf talent, but then they also have like these like just incredibly <laughs> high wage. Players that were world class at some point, washed, but not yeah. quite anymore. Yeah, it's they're yeah, the. I never. Yeah, they they just don't seem like a threatening team to me, to be honest. Yeah, and they're playing like that. So, yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Move on. Uh, time to move on to um, to the beefy story, Jeez. the juicy story of what's going on in the chess world. Um. So for those of you who are not uh, following chess, there is a there is an online competition that, uh, called the Generations Cup, uh, which is uh, uh, an online chess tournament, and um, there is a player uh, by the name Hans Neiman, who is a young uh, U.S. professional, 19 years old, just kind of. Uh, he may he's undergoing what a lot of people would consider a meteoric rise. Whereas um, there is, on the other hand, Magnus Carlsen, the, the multiple-time world champion, greatest player in the world right now, and to some, the greatest player of all time. And the, the situation actually happens a couple of weeks ago in the Sinkfield Cup, a major, major world-class tournament uh, taking place in St. Louis uh, with a, a large cash prize. It's a round round of tournaments. Everybody's got to play each other. Magnus Carlsen's part of the number of players. And Hans Neiman, the young U.S. Uh, national, was not part of the lineup. However, was inserted as a substitute after one of the players, uh, Richard Rapport, could not make it. And so, Unfortunate. Uh, so Neiman is inserted into the lineup. And... And in his game against Carlsen, he Neiman has the black pieces considered a disadvantage, and he defeats the world champion. And and it not only was it impressive in that Hans just defeated the world champion, he was de- he defeated the world champion when people believe that he was in very good form, and he also defeated the world championship with the black uh, world, world champion with the black pieces. And so those things considered, people were like, okay, like this is a really impressive game. And the next day, Magnus Carlsen withdraws from the tournament saying that not really giving a reason. All he all he does is he just tweets out, uh, you know, I you know, I, I enjoy playing at St. Louis, I hope to be back. I am withdrawing, and with that attaches 
a video of Jose Mourinho giving a very, very famous interview of if I speak, I am in trouble. (laughs) Which is basically the context of that was Mourinho was saying that when he was, you know, asked to comment on some questionable refereeing decisions, aka saying that he thinks that there was dishonesty or there was not fair play involved in you know the outcome of the game that he was just being asked to comment on and so magnus is insinuating that there was something about the tournament that is clearly not being executed fairly and then the funny thing is is in the ensuing days the tournament organizers you know with no explicit reasoning why they start you know ramping up the anti-cheating surveillance yeah they have all these sensors and stuff you know you know it's like they're like it's like it's like fucking tsa it's actually just going through tsa to play basically basically and so you know no particular reason they just decide to coincidentally do it after magnus just tweets that out and i think i think most people sniffed out right that magnus was very uh, suspicious of Hans Niemann cheating. And Hans Niemann, um, later in, the, in an interview, of course denied cheating in any part. But he, the interesting thing is that he, in his testimony, he acknowledged that he did cheat online at some point in his career when he was younger and that he had learned lessons, etc. This was also not, by the way, like, you know, it, there were rumors of this, and there was speculation of him cheating early on in his career, but there was no confirmation of this. And so this was his confirmation, saying that I cheated um, when those rumors were correct. But, okay, fair enough, right? I mean, like, you know, there's, you know, maybe he didn't cheat in this exact moment, right? And so in the Generations Cup this past week, Magnus Carlsen and Hans Niemann are paired again. And Magnus Carlsen plays one move with the black pieces, Hans plays his second move with the white pieces, and Magnus Carlsen resigns. And, you know, I think for those, for those people who are wondering why did Magnus play the first move, I think it's to make the point clear that this is not like an aborted game. Because in, in online chess, if, if the player doesn't play the game, like, it's not considered a resignation to forfeit. It's considered an abort, like an aborted game. As in, like, it doesn't count. It's a, it's a null game. But Magnus purposely played one move to show that this is not me. You know, this is not a technical difficulty. I can play, and I'm choosing not to. And so, I mean, like, if, that, if this isn't, like, a personal, like, vendetta against Neiman, like, what is, right? So all of the, all of the whole, like, you know, speculations about, well, Carlson, he may not be, you know, explicitly... You know, by posting the Mourinho video, maybe there was something else about the tournament that he didn't like. Well, no, because he just did that. And he just forfeited against Neiman, the same player. And so there's clearly, you know, at this point, we have to understand that it's something against Neiman. And he was actually asked to comment. uh, He was actually asked to comment on this in in an interview. I'm not sure if you saw this or not. But in that, all he says is that he can't comment on it. He can't comment on whether he thinks the Hans is cheating or whatever. And he just says, you know, 
I'm very impressed with Hans' playing, and you know, I'm sure his mentor, uh, Maxim Delugi, is also very happy. Yeah, and yeah, the whole Maxim Delugi, like this name drop of his mentor, is like totally like out of left field. I'm like, well, why did why did Magnus just like name drop this guy? Well, it turns out Maxim Delugi was banned on online websites for cheating in the past. Allegedly, so, like it. We, the interviewers Allegedly don't need to. Banned. It, it, it's like, well, no, Benjamin. The Benjamin Bach actually, I saw. Um, but Benjamin Bach actually, doesn't work for Chess.com, does he? I think it was Lee Chess, though. I think it was Lee Chess. Oh, well, does he work for Lee Chess? I don't think he works for Lee Chess. But but but, but he it's, did, still, uh, it's still alleged, though. We can't like <clears throat> until Chess.com or Lee Chess or whoever comes out and makes a statement that they banned him for cheating. We can't say that he definitively definitively cheated. But we can. What we can say though is that all the signs point to him having cheated and being banned because of it. Probably, maybe. There's a lot of probably's <laughs> in there, but okay. But in any case, like to to name drop someone, Maxim Delugi, who is like, who has coincidentally been involved with cheating scandals in the past. I'm gonna put like, air quotes around coincidentally for the audience like, listener. Like it's like. I don't think the interviewers, I mean, I don't know about you, Sana, but I don't think the interviewers need to ask Magnus anymore, hey, do you think Hans Neiman is cheating? Like, like, like Stop. how, like, Stop. like, how much more, like, you know, obvious can it get? And, okay, wait, so, so let, let's take a step back first and address first, like, what the F is, like, cheating in chess? Like, how do you even cheat in chess? So, like, so... Obviously, now in the in the in the era of technology, there are computer chess engines, right? There are computers that that evaluate chess positions and can play chess um, either with AI or or whatever, like whatever techniques that they use um, to get better at chess, whatever it is, right? Um, so nowadays. There are engines so strong that, I mean, not even nowadays, like for the last 10 years, probably the strongest chess engines could wipe their asses and beat the strongest GMs, the strongest chess players on the planet. Right. Like, like to give, to give people like perspective, if Magnus, who is the highest rate, he's the highest rated ever, right? Yeah. He's the highest rated player ever. Um, and I think his highest rating that he ever held was like 28. 80 something right something like that something yeah. ridiculous yeah not not quite 2900 right um if you take like the strongest engines like and you evaluate and you you were to assign them like an elo rating they would like all be like 3300 plus which <laughs> which again to put that into perspective so if magnus is at 2900 let's just say like level right and then there's another GM who's like 2,500, which is 400 points less than him. Magnus would, out of 10 games, like 9 out of 10 games, crush the 2,500 rated GM, right? It, that, that, that's like the gap of like a 400 point difference. So then to say that 
to say that the, that there are computers that are another 400, 500, 600 points above even Magnus implies that those computers would then crush Magnus nine out of 10 games, right? It, which I'm not saying like, I'm not saying this literally, but I'm trying to like put into perspective how strong computer chess engines are nowadays relative to even the strongest chess players of all time, right? Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the uh, actual uh, calculations are. I think a 400-point delta is probably, yeah. Right, yeah, Expected yeah. score is like 9 or 9.5 or 10. Exactly. Like, something like that. Exactly yeah. right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's a massive difference. So, to say that the, like those kind of chess engines do exist today, and you, frankly, don't even need, like, I could probably run a 3,300-power, right, chess engine on my computer right now with no problem. Like, you don't need, like, a massive supercomputer, like, before in order to, like, run, like, because, like, back in, like, the 90s or, like, the 80s, um, like, during the Cold War and shit, when they were, like, first starting to do this stuff, you needed, like, a supercomputer to, like, run, like, some of, like, the the highest level, like, chess engines. Nowadays, you don't, you don't need that shit. Nowadays, you could use your goddamn phone to beat a, a top-tier GM, right, using the you engine off your phone. Magnus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could beat Magnus with your phone, right? So, like... All of this is to, like, underpin the idea that, like, cheating in chess nowadays is very, very easy. And it's hard to detect. Because, because you can literally beat the best player in the world with your phone. So, like, in a world where that, it's, it's that easy to cheat in chess and, and very hard to detect, it's obviously going to be a big problem. And um, this is, in, in the modern era, I think this is, like, probably the biggest incident of that, right? Again, to to kind of put us in perspective, there is this is not necessarily the first like uh, cheating incident in like a big event, right? Um, like when it was Topolov Kramnik, I believe, right in in the World Championship early two thousands, I want to say maybe mid two thousands, um, where like Topolov he he said that like Kramnik was cheating. Before that, um, people were saying that Topolov was cheating. Right, so there have been like incidents of that. Nothing was proved, though. Nothing was proved. Um, neither of those players, like, there was like, there's, there's no kind of, uh, there's not even an asterisk I would say on either of their careers at this point. Definitely not Kramnik, and not top, maybe top law for being a bit of an asshole, but like definitely not top law for cheating. Um, right? There's nope. nothing really like. There's no really blemish on their on their um, on their careers for that. But this is kind of maybe the first time in the modern era where that could happen if these kind of claims are substantiated against Hans. Like, so there's like a lot at stake here because something like to this degree, to this extent, hasn't happened before. And it's also because platforms like chess.com will not confirm when GMs cheated on their goddamn platform playing online chess. They won't confirm it. Like, and and if you listen to all the G the super GMs kind of talk about the situation, right, over the last couple of weeks, almost every single one of them implies that they know of multiple, multiple GMs who have cheated online. Probably on chess.com, right? Um, but as as like the general public, we don't know of a single name confirmed. Like, there's not been a confirmation of a single player, I don't think, right? 
No, no um, not a single GM. Not a single GM. There was remember I mean, outside of Neiman, no. Yeah, outside of Neiman, no. And, and, and Neiman, that was just because he like admitted himself, right? Too. Um, the like yeah. So like the, we we don't know of any of that, but the in the GM in the chess community, they are aware of multiple GMs cheating on online chess in online chess. Um, and and not just cheating once, cheating multiple times. So like. Cheating is a huge issue that we're not getting a lot of like good exposure to. Um and like how do you feel about it? How do you feel about chess.com like not talking about bannings or cheating when it comes to GMs? Um I've never always, I've never been a big fan of chess.com. I've never been a big fan of their practices. Um, Danny, uh, Danny, this is not a personal attack on you. These are Andy's personal opinions. We would wait. Would we I welcome got a sponsorship? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Danny as a commentator. I'm trolling. I'm trolling. I'm trolling. I, I think Danny as a uh, Danny Wrench as a comment. That's what you're talking about, Danny Wrench. Yeah, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, I think Danny Wrench as a commentator and as like a spokesperson for chess is great. And the thing is, is I don't think all, I think most of these, like, you know, features with chess.com and them trying to price out and like trying to monopolize online chess by acquiring Magnus Carlsen's company and things like that. They, these are not moves that we can just, you know, you know, assign to Danny Wrench as the mastermind. For sure, for sure, I mean, for sure. Daniel, Danny Wrench is kind of just like the, the, the spokesperson that is like, you know, the liaison between the business and the chess, yep. I guess. Yep. Right. And so. He, he he's not really he's not the CEO at all either. So, um, but the thing with Chess.com is that they've kind of always kind of operated in this way. Uh, they've uh, I think, and this is the kind of confidential data that you know, like what kind of big successful company is giving away confidential data without them knowing that there's something in it for them, right? True. So, and and I think to the other other point of like them not like dropping that kind of information is also because they can literally destroy careers that way especially for gms that are 2600 plus probably uh who a lot of them make their living on chess like as soon as it's like out in the public that like they were banned for cheating on chess.com or whatever that could that could make like take a significant impact on their career right um and their and their living but like is that but a I mean, bad thing well that's the that's the next question i think because it's almost like you know when 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 people say the uh, the truth is you know you can't handle the truth right it almost feels like to me it almost feels like the pandora's box has been open with neiman and unfortunately, I don't think the reputation, even if it was the case that Sinkfield Cup, there was no cheating involved. There was no cheating involved in any of the games that he played in the Generations Cup. Of course, you know, the Magnus game, he, they didn't even play. But uh, even if he wasn't cheating in those, it's like there's always this kind of... And Levon Aronian said it too when he... Meant, uh, he when uh, the... Another competitor in the Generations Cup was asked about it. He made his comment, right, about when you're playing against somebody 
who has cheated in the past, and you know that they've cheated, mm-hmm. it it screws with your psyche, and you know you you don't you stop kind of playing the best moves. Um, of course, it's just it's more than just a focus thing. It's like a how are you you know thinking about which moves to play? What are the options? Like you know the decision tree or like the decision making process gets kind of warped when you're playing against somebody that you think has all the answers. And so, um, with a guy like Hans, like, are people ever going to get over it? I mean, I'm not saying that you know he doesn't deserve a second chance because if it is true that the only times he cheated was when he was 16 or 13, I mean, you know, like. It, that, that 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 seems a little much to me, but if the fact of the matter is, is that people cannot get over it, then I mean, what can we do? There is nothing that we can do about this, and so, um, I, I don't know, man. Um, I will say this about like the situation, though. Um, like, Mag- I think we need to wait for Magnus Carlson's statement because he says that he's going to give one after this event which is which will be ending in the next couple days and so and clearly i mean there's no doubt in my mind that he thinks Hans is cheating and so what is the rationale um if the rationale is unsatisfactory or because what's also interesting is that fabiano caruana in a live stream actually mentioned something that we did not know is that magnus carlson had actually thought about withdrawing from Sinkfield Cup before he even lost to Neiman. So this wasn't just a lashing out of like, you know, um, you know, I lost to Neiman with Black. I'm the world champion. How can this happen? You know, there, he must be cheating. Like, Magnus Carlsen was all, always in a state of mind about playing Neiman, going into the game, going into the tournament, that this guy's a cheater. And I think we can safely conclude... As well that, you know, if Levon Aronian and Anish Giri and all these GMs are talking about, you know, how your playing style gets screwed up when you're playing against somebody that you think is cheating, Magnus Carlsen might have fallen victim to that. Because sure. I will say, from what I saw in the game, I, it, Magnus did not look like he was playing his best game. He didn't play well. Which was very weird. He, which was very weird because he was in form. Yep. He was in form and he was playing well. Yep. But that game, like, he just wasn't playing that well. And so I, I totally buy... Um, this explanation that he knew that and he already had like you know apprehension about going into this game beforehand and so so if magnus carlson's like you know rationale is that hans is a cheater in the past and like you know for that reason i don't want to play him and there's no concrete like you know evidence of him you know accusing hans about singfield or in in the generations cup then man that's soft isn't that soft luckily for us luckily for us Magnus did say that he intends to make a statement after this tournament right I I mean I mean this is what I'm talking about like this this, like like the 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 uh the the truth will be told hopefully I really oh man are you that optimistic I'm not I'm not that optimistic that he's gonna lay it all out well, no, as in, as, in, as in not the truth about what happened, but clarity on where it's going to give me the information that I need to make a stance. 
take a stance. I think. Because if Magnus comes back out with a wishy-washy thing, if there is no concrete evidence, then uh, I, 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 can't, I can't get behind what Magnus is trying to you know, be a proponent of here. I, well, so one thing, I don't know if you caught this during, I think it was during one of these tournaments coverage. It was, um, ah, it was Lawrence Trent. He's I am, right? Yep. Yeah. So I am Lawrence Trent came on the show or was on the show or whatever. Um, and they were asking him, obviously, uh, they're asking everyone about, about, about this, obviously. Um, and he said very, something very interesting. He said, um, initially, I didn't really know what to think. Um, or like something along those lines. Or like maybe he was like leaning more towards like Hans or whatever. But I have recently come to learn new information from trusted sources that has me leaning towards Magnus on this issue. Which like... Like, uh, I I can I can understand how I understand a little bit why the chess community like I mean like the like the like the GM like the super GM chess community or whatever right um how they're like trying not to like leak a lot of stuff but Jesus Christ it's just like when every single title player just comes out and it's just like. So from what I've heard, and then like they just like don't say like what they've heard like exactly. It's just so fucking annoying as like the general public. I'm just like, there are probably like five hundred to a thousand people who like know what's going on, but like none of them just like coming out and saying it. Like, are we just gonna get blue balled forever? Like, <laughs> I I honestly don't think. I don't think Hans cheated in Singfield. I don't think he cheated in Generations Cup. I think the question of whether his cheating in the past should have him barred from getting entry to tournaments is going to be a debate. A debate that I personally don't like think should go against Hans because he was 16. He was 13. He was not even the age of 18. Yeah, he's not he was an adult. way too young. Yeah. Like, and he's like, and for a guy like him, he probably looked at online just like a video game, yeah. you know, not a career career. And so, I, and here's also why, like, because if Hans cheated, I don't know how on earth a man who's actually cheated could, with all this scrutiny raining down on him have the sanity to gather himself and put together a good performance like he's having at the Generations Cup. He's playing well. He's playing well. So, so what is it? Is he playing well despite the fact that he's like getting all these allegations thrown against him? Or is he cheating and that's why he's playing well? I mean, he's playing rapid though. I don't think he's cheating. I mean, I mean, maybe, but that would also be insane and incredible. And... So like, what is it? Like it. it I mean, I, 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 so here's just, my my thing is my thing is that. So like, okay, so we talked about like how you could cheat with like engines and stuff, 
But what we didn't talk about, and maybe it's part of the nuance of the conversation, is that once you're at like a, a high GM level, a super GM level, like once you're at like 2650 plus, right? We're talking about the top 100 players on the planet, right? Once you're at that level of chess, like you don't even need to know what like a specific move in like a specific moment in order to like have additional information, right? And play better. Yeah, to be like tipped off. Yeah. yeah. You just need to know, like, like all you need to know is if you're better or worse. Or like if there is a good move. Right? Like Or like just like a I mean and and this is like getting into the physical logistics of setting up the cheating, but like 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 a tip to just say think. Right yeah now. exactly like like or like to say like this is a critical moment right like right. that's all they need so like like it could be as easy as me as your coach like coming like watching your game from the audience and then like like tapping my shoulder twice or something right like it could be something as easy as that to tip you off to say this is a critical moment look for look deeper you know what I mean? Like at that right. level, that's all you need in order to cheat, right. in order to like elevate your level of play from 2700 to 2750, right? That's all you need. So like, that's why it's just so hard to say. It's just, it's just so hard to right, say. Right, 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 right. The barrier for cheating for not like Hans Neiman to have orchestrated this is lower than we think. Yeah. And... I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't wait to hear Magnus's test. Oh my god! Because be whatever so that juicy. evidence is, no, no, no. Because because like I said, I, I'm leaning to think towards thinking that Han did not cheat. But there is a very real possibility that Magnus has concrete evidence, and so that's why, like, the only thing that I feel confident about is whatever Magnus is about to come out with at the end of this event is going to give me the information that I need to make a more, like, concrete stance on how I feel about this right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is Magnus going to have the concrete, like, fucking next level, like, the, the blueprint of how the cheating happened? Or, like, at least, like, some kind of, like, he stole my prep. Or, like, you know, whatever. You know, like, some concrete, like, accusation. That'd if that's sick. not there and he just gives us another wishy-washy, I'm going to just take that 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 means that there is nothing that much. And yeah. we're just... Right? Because... And also for the people out there, like, you know, anti-cheating. How, how, how do people detect it outside of, like, like, you know, catching people, like, you know, in a tournament, like, you know, using their cell phones or catching somebody, like, getting a tip-off from somebody in the crowd? Like, outside of that, how do you detect it? Can you detect it based on the quality of the game played, Right? And in online chess, they have algorithms. Chess.com has one, but they never disclose how it actually works. But it's kind of based on this thing of how accurate is it, basically, right? It's like I mean, the like centipon the, thing, right? Right. It's like, how precise is it? I mean, because no matter how good you are, at the end of the day, nobody's going to be playing like an engine for an extended period of time. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so 
like how can you find that right and so they have an algorithm i'm sure like my explanation is even way simplistic of a version than what they actually have going on yeah right but but the thing is with these players like you said if we're talking about like one move where the gm was like tipped off and then they played it like an engine gms play like an engine all the damn time they just can't do it for extended periods of time right and so it's like like if Neem had used the engine or like a tip off for one move out of the 40 something moves that was played in a game how on earth is that substantial evidence and so i i for one like cannot see like i just don't think that i was cheated but two is like I also don't know, like, what is the evidence that Magnus Carlsen could possibly come up with that actually puts, you know, Neiman in the dirt. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Like, this would be revolutionary. Like, what if Magnus Carlsen reveals the whole, like, fucking new technology that he has? <laughs> right? The Magnus Carlsen chess group has come up. <laughs> right, and it's like, based on this, you know, and he's just like... We're just working out the kinks. We're working out the beta right now. He's biding his time, but um, I don't know, man. In any case, I mean, this is something that we're gonna have to come back to next week. I don't know. I I, I don't think I can like you know delve any further than that, really. Oh man, I mean, I you know people people are always like, I don't like drama. Like Hikaru fucking says this all the time. Like, oh, like drama. And then he talks for like two hours. You know, I'm just gonna say I fucking love drama. This this is some juicy ass shit. I'm not the person who's saying I don't like the drama. <laughs> this is some juicy ass shit. Do you know how many times I'm checking the chess Reddit every day oh, for yeah. new developments? I'm on it like, right now, baby. I'm on it right now. <laughs> and people and, and the people on the chess Reddit. I'll, I'll say one last thing before we sign off. The people on the chess Reddit were saying, "Oh no, I want." The Magnus Carlsen, Hans Neiman drama consolidated to one post. I don't give a damn. I don't want it. I don't need to look at your 1200 ELO made in three that you missed in a game. I don't give a damn about yeah, that right me now. Neither. I want the news. I want the. <laughs> yeah, I want the spice. The spice. Oh my. Alrighty. Anything else you want to add? Nah, I'm good. All right. Well, well, that was it for this uh, week's rendition of uh, Keep It 111, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back next week for more news on the NFL, uh, soccer, baseball, chess, you name it. We talk about it. So um, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep it 111. See you.